perhaps help some people along the way. And that's kind of uh, what the issue is today. Those of you who have followed me know that uh, my wife has been going through some health challenges, uh, having been diagnosed with cancer and having kind of an up and down course with it. Um, much of the time, she functions very much the same as she had before the diagnosis. Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist and coach, also keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. As listeners to the podcast know, I typically present uh, podcast episodes where I'm interviewing a guest. Occasionally, however, I do an individual solo podcast, either because out of tradition, it's a holiday week. And for some reason, we got into the habit of doing solo podcasts on holiday weeks. And sometimes because I have something particular to share at a particular time. And that's what today's podcast is about. Those of you who have followed me, not just on podcasts or uh, being members of the mental health gym, uh, those of you who have followed me on social media and so on, uh, I hope you've gotten the feeling that I'm a pretty authentic guy and share some things about myself. Uh, try not to overly uh, burden you with things that are going on in my life. Uh, try not to tell you more than you need to know and want to focus on what I can contribute to you. Sometimes we get the intersection of those two things where something that's going on in my life is something that we can learn from and that hopefully I can share uh, what I'm going through and what I've learned from it and perhaps help some people along the way. And that's kind of uh, what the issue is today. Those of you who have followed me know that uh, my wife has been going through some health challenges, uh, having been diagnosed with cancer and having kind of an up and down course with it. Um, much of the time she functions very much the same as she had before the diagnosis. But sometimes due to medication reactions, uh, dehydration, things of that nature, uh, her level of functioning is reduced for a period of time and I become a caregiver. Now I'm happy to do that. Uh, she's been a, a fabulous partner and does more than her share of stuff around the house. And uh, the times that I've had to really do everything uh, is fairly minimal, but there have been blocks of time where I've had to do all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the laundry, and I, I'm not bad at it, actually. You know, I'm 
I'm pretty good at it, but not nearly as good as her. And uh, fitting in all of it, when it, some of it has been shared and some of it's been primarily uh, her uh, responsibility or choice, um, that that makes a difference in terms of my time frame and my ability to be the best version of myself for her, for our kids and grandkids, as well as for myself. So today I would like to discuss the role of being a caregiver, not just from the standpoint of giving care, but also taking care of yourself. Some of these lessons I learned from others, some uh, have been ones that I've kind of come upon about myself. Uh, you know, just like so many other things, how to be a parent, how to manage money effectively, and other important things, uh, we aren't really taught in school how to be a caregiver. And hopefully this will add to the dialogue around the topic. I know some people have posted some things online, um, not much in the way of formal education in this regard. So hopefully this will be a bit of a start and as I indicated, perhaps helpful to some people. First thing I'd like to focus on is the issue of mindset. I think that being a caregiver requires an adjustment to your mindset, regardless of where you're coming from. In other words, I come from a helping profession, but helping others in a more dispassionate way is a little different than being a caregiver. So I think the first step is to really be in touch with what you're telling yourself, what the mindset is, uh, built around. Um, for example, is being a caregiver an emotional struggle as well as a physical one? It's always going to be a physical one because you're doing more than you would be doing if you weren't a caregiver. And I recognize for some people it's more physical than others. For example, if you're a caregiver for a young child who is uh, has special needs, if you're a caregiver for someone who frequently falls and you have to do frequent lifting, um, you know, that's that's different than just being able to uh, go through a lot of normal paces, but just doing more physically, more cooking, more cleaning, and so on. And I think we have to be honest in determining whether it is an emotional struggle, whether we have some resentment about it, whether we feel you know, very positive about it and don't feel that it's a burden at all. And uh, then we can determine what kind of additional help we may need to get through that role. And help is something that almost all caregivers need, regardless of the nature of how physical it is, regardless of how temporary it may be. You know, for some people, it's temporary during an acute phase or for several months. For some people, it's for the rest of the person's life for whom you're caring. 
So I think you have to look at what kind of help you need and then go out and get it, whether it be psychological help, spiritual help. Uh, and while I'm not a highly spiritual person, I do feel, uh, you know, connected with my religion and I sought out help from my clergyman uh, for support. Um, found myself crying and talking with them. Uh, and I'm not ashamed to indicate that. I, uh, you know, am much happier that I was able to get this these feelings out with somebody. Um, practical help. You know, we may not be able to do everything that we want to be able to do, perhaps because we don't know. Maybe we don't know how to cook. Maybe we don't know how to do laundry. These are things that may be help, that, that may uh, be able to gain from, from people who do it. Maybe we just have so much overload because we're caring for kids or caring for two aging parents or caring for others, uh, or we have a job responsibility that is difficult to finesse. Uh, if we need physical help, what are the sources that we can contact? And how can we know whether it's a reliable source? And what kind of help is it? Is it practical help? Is it nursing help? Is it companionship? And a lot of times companionship can do a whole lot. You know, being able to share with a neighbor what your spouse is going through or what you're going through, uh, many people uh, will be willing to come in and spend some time. I know my wife did uh, when, when a friend's husband was terminally ill, my wife would go over and give her a break for a couple of hours, uh, probably no more than once a week, but it enabled her to get out and do some of the things that she would be unable to, to otherwise do. That uh, really emphasizes the need for a support system. Do you have a support system and are you comfortable in asking about them, asking them for help? And that's one of the things that you can think about before you really need it. You know, I've mentioned uh, several times, both in individual podcasts or when interviewing guests, that, you know, loneliness is really draining. Uh, having a support system, having people that you can contact during times of need can help in mitigating that drain. So that's real important. Um, it's important as you think in terms of the mindset, how does it affect other obligations? Are you able to continue working? Do you have to ask for leave? Does your uh, place of business uh, or whatever situation you're working in, does it permit somebody to be able to work from home, be able to work part-time, be able to take some leave? Or, you know, are you risking something when, when you uh, have to go into caregiving? And again, for many people, it's 
it's worth it. It's worth the risk. But, you know, everybody has their own practical situations. They have their own rent to pay they uh, or mortgage to pay. Um, you know, they may be working on a project or so on. I had to, at almost the last minute last week, cancel a speaking engagement that was out of town because my wife went into the hospital for a few days. I didn't feel comfortable in doing so, but when I discussed it with the organizer of the event, he was very supportive. And I think, I would like to think that I would be supportive of somebody else if they came to me in that situation. But work is one of the things that we have to look at. Family obligations. Do you have other kids that you have to devote time to? Do you have parents in addition to a spouse that may be going through some issues? You know, how does it fit in with your other obligations? And that's where asking for help is really important. And, and, and I know this may seem kind of uh, less important, kind of superficial, but do you have obligations to your teammates? If you're on a, on a sports team, on uh, a, uh, a bowling team, uh, are you working with classmates on a project that they're counting on you to complete? All those things have to be recognized as being, you know, real and something that is important to address, which really brings me to the point of this uh, episode, which is the importance of self-care for somebody who is a caregiver. It is critically important to start out with the recognition that you can't be helpful to others when you're not in shape to be helpful. You can't be helpful to others when you're not in shape to be helpful. The analogy is often cited of when you're on an airplane and uh, the flight attendant announces in the unexpected event of a loss of cabin pressure, put your own mask on before the person that you're helping, whether it be a child or uh, a person who has a, uh, a disability or whatever it may be. You can't be helpful when you're not functioning at your best. And what does functioning at your best mean? Number one, it's important to get adequate sleep. There is more and more research on how important sleep is for your body. I was not a big advocate of sleep. I thought you could function quite well with, or at least I could function quite well with five hours or less of sleep for a long time. I took that as a badge of honor. But one of the things, as I started reading more and uh, became more aware of the importance of it, I learned that, you know, yawning during the day is not a natural thing. If you get adequate sleep, you don't, you don't yawn very much during the day. You don't necessarily have a mid-afternoon slump when you become less efficient, less effective, and more tired. Now, when we talk about sleep, I think one of these things that we also may have to allow for is if the person you're caring for uh, has to get up during the day, during the night to go to the bathroom multiple times, allow for that 
in terms of your sleep schedule. So if, say for example, you typically get seven hours of sleep, you may need to adjust your schedule so that there are eight total hours in there so that you can uh, allow for getting up and falling back to sleep. If you have difficulty and you find out that you have difficulty falling asleep, then it would be important to consult with sleep specialists to help you in this regard because again, sleep is really, really important. Exercise, it is important, not just for people who aren't caregivers, but people who are. Now, the good news is that um, some of the household tasks, you know, vacuuming, uh, shopping, uh, things of that nature, um, you know, th they're physical tasks. Uh, I, I measure my steps during the course of the day. And uh, I can easily, during the time that I'm doing caregiving, uh, accumulate four or five or 6,000 steps in a day, depending what I'm doing. So, you know, aerobically, it's pretty good. And for a lot of people, it's, um, it, it also adds some uh, physical resistance type exercises. Uh, I do find, however, that, uh, and I know I'm older than, than a lot of you, that if I don't do a few of my specific exercises, uh, I'll get more aches and pains after a few, day, a few days at, uh, if I haven't done exercise, if I haven't done really my prescribed exercise regimen in, in addition. I can modify it and I don't have to do as much if I'm doing the other things, but don't neglect it. Your body needs it, your brain needs it, and you'll feel a whole lot better too. Don't forget adequate nutrition and hydration. Take some time for yourself. When whoever you're caring for is resting or when they're eating or whatever, to make sure that you are eating properly you need it now more than ever. Make sure that you get your required hydration. Water is a, the, the healthiest drink you can have. Make sure that you don't forget about it. You got a lot of other things on your mind, so make sure that you don't forget about it. Also, give time to some distraction activities. You know, make time to do some reading or watching TV or getting out in nature, if that's at all possible. And certainly if the person you're caring for is able to be mobile enough to get out in nature or is in a wheelchair and can be out there, it's gonna be good for him and her, or her too. Maintain your ties with other people in your social network, both in terms of being able to bounce off uh, ideas on them, in terms of being able to vent and being able to call on them for help if necessary. But even if none of those things are necessary, it's important to stay connected socially. That's one of the things that makes us human. And it's one of the things that uh, gives you a sense of self-worth is that other people interact with you. I think that the remaining 
point that I'd like to emphasize, and you might expect it from my uh, standpoint as a positive psychologist, is to try and be as positive as possible. Try and maintain as good a quality of life for yourself and for the person who you care for. When I used to regularly see inpatients in the hospital, uh, when I was doing headache work primarily, um, there were rooms that I would go into where there would be family members who made it kind of an enjoyable experience. But there were others where you would go in and it was depressing to go in there. You know, people were just sitting around, uh, feeling badly, looking for things to criticize, uh, obviously wishing they were elsewhere. And that can't be good for the patient. So if you are caring for someone, for however long you are caring, for however long you have the time together, Try to find things that can be positive. You know, watch reruns of Seinfeld together or, you know, read aloud to the person uh, from something humorous or share humorous thoughts. But also think in terms of the fact that Two of you are there. You and the person you're caring for is there. It's a special relationship or you wouldn't be there. Find something positive about it and take care of yourself. And let's make caregiving as good an experience for both you and the person you're caring for as much as you possibly can. This hasn't been an exhaustive summary, partly because I don't know enough about it. I, as I said, I trying to kind of make this a more personal uh, podcast than I typically do, where I'm throwing out some information at you. Much of this was gathered from my own background, from my own experiences. And I hope that some of you will benefit from this even if you don't need this information today. I also hope that we can begin kind of more talking about what works for some people so that the experience of caregiving can be as positive as possible. And on that note, this has been Dr. Ron Kaiser. This has been the Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser podcast. Next week, we will be back with a, our more typical format of me interviewing a guest and uh, looking forward to sharing that experience with you too. Thanks for hearing me out. Everybody have a good week. And if you're caring for somebody at the same time, make sure they have a good week too. You have the ability to do so if you also take care of yourself. On that note, let me sign off now and ask you to stay positive, stay safe, 
and we'll see you next time.